You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Hallelujah. We serve a mighty, mighty God. We serve a wonderful, wonderful God. And on this day, the 13th day of January 2021, our God is on the throne. He's ruling and he's reigning. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end at all, at all. He's our God, mighty to save, mighty to deliver, mighty to do everything you can think of. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all of them. Can we put our hands together and celebrate this God? He's our God. He is the God. He is the only God. You know, on Sunday we were talking about thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the truth is there is really no God apart from our God. But it's just that you can put, you know, okay, thank you, Holy Ghost. You know the way the sun is shining, okay? The sun is big. How many of us know that the sun is, I think, 10 million times or 100 million times bigger than the earth? Do you know that? You know, when you see the sun, you see a ball. The biggest you can see this, you know, maybe the size of this building, if he ever comes that close. Okay, that's how big you can see. But in reality, the sun is big, bigger than the earth, million times bigger than the earth. Now, but if you took a coin, a little coin, or let's take it, um, a ruler, and put it in front of your eyes, okay, what is going to happen? If you lift those eyes towards the sun, what is going to happen? You will see no sun. It's not because the sun has ceased to be, or the sun has gotten smaller. You have put something before your eyes. So when the Bible says, you shall have no other gods before me, it's not as though they are gods. It's just that when you put them in front of your eyes, you cannot see the real God. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So when we call those things gods, we are not exalting them. It's just that they can block our view. Praise the Lord. And we know that we will not allow any word rival throne survive in Jesus' name. We will pull down those gods in the mighty name of Jesus so that we can worship before the one who is worthy. Hallelujah. Okay, we began to look at Genesis 22, which is where we're going to also, you know, start from this evening and probably look at it in more details. And Genesis 22 verse 1 says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he answered, Here I am. And he instructed him, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship. That is choir, voice of one. Praise the Lord. That is what we do. The singing is what we do on the road. Worship is the obedience. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Every time you obey God, you are worshiping. Every time you disobey God, you are not worshiping, no matter the song you are singing. 
I and the Lord will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said to him, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is a lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Interestingly, I don't think the Bible gave us the age of Isaac at this encounter. Okay, but Abraham must have been an old, old man. So one of the things that you and I need to ponder and meditate on is, why didn't Isaac resist? Okay? And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11. Praise God. Let's read 11 together, everybody. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And part of the things we established on Sunday is that God is what? Faithful. Who will not allow us to be what? Tempted beyond what we can bear. God is faithful. You see, one of the reasons why men snap under trials, why men faint, is that they imagine that he's not coming. But say to somebody or say to yourself, behold what? He comes. Behold, he comes. We have the privilege of reading this story after the fact. But this is Abraham. Not knowing all of that, he went on. But we see that God is faithful. And if God is faithful in the life of Abraham, then God is faithful in the life of Ikena. He's faithful in your life as well in the name of Jesus Christ. So the Lord intervened and said, Do not lay your hand on the Lord or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And we noted on Sunday, very important, that we see how a word Abraham spoke offhandedly came to pass. He said, God will do what? Provide himself a lamb. God did not tell him. He didn't know. But out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth spoke. And we are saying one of the things we must see to it is that what they careless, if we can use that word. They, okay, let's not use careless. The carefree words, the unrehearsed words that come out of our mouths. If we test it and it's not speaking faith, then there is no faith. We need to go and increase our faith. Praise the Lord, somebody. Are you hearing me? Very important thing to take note of. The carefree, the unrehearsed. You see, when they say, come and pray, you rehearse what you say. Okay? When they say, come and teach me the word. When they say, pastor, or man of God, or woman of God, or bishop, or whatever, speak to us in this situation. You go to your, 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 your brain and bring out the religious reserve you have. But what I'm talking about is that unrehearsed. Statement you make anytime you hear it, ask yourself, is it full of faith? We can see that Abraham, the father of faith, his carefree word, unrehearsed word. How could he tell his son he was going to kill him? So he won't tell him. He wouldn't tell him unless I mean there would have been chaos at that point. But what he said, we see that what he said was downloaded from heaven. 
Just like the Bible said of Peter, he said, flesh and blood word has not revealed this to you. I pray that our unrehearsed statements will be divinely revealed statements in the name of Jesus Christ. So we see that word come to fulfillment and Abraham offered it. And verse 14 says, Abraham called the name of the place. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, verse 16, and now says, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you, okay? Blessing, I will bless you. I will, multiplying, I will multiply you. Your descendants as the stars of as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. I just want to see what he told him earlier in Genesis 12. Okay, look at Genesis 12. Genesis 12 says, verse 2, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is what he's saying now after the test. He said, blessing. I will what? Bless you. Are they sounding the same? They are sounding the same, but one is at what? Another level. This is God. You can sense the excitement of God. You can sense, you know, God here is is filled with joy. He said, I'm going to bless you happily. I'm going to bless you. I'm I'm just, I'm going to bless you. I I don't know how to express it, but I believe you get what I'm saying. Many times we do things. Because we do them. But there are some things you do. Just like when Isaac said to the son, go and fetch me that very, that very, very, very red meat that you know I like and make soup for me so that what? I will eat it. And then what will happen? You see, either way, I will still bless you. But when you do that, it says my soul will do what? Will bless you. I pray that this year we will provoke God to such an extent that he will bless us with a blessing in blessing. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So blessing, I'll bless you, multiplying, I will multiply you. As the descend, your descendants will be as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. Okay? And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. 18 says, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because they have obeyed my voice. Let, let me just give us a bit of scientific information. Do you know that I mentioned the sun, right? The sun that shines. Do you know that we have more suns in the world than there are sand on the seashores of all the earth? Scientific fact. If you took a handful of sand, it's uncountable. Am I right? No. As tiny as those sand, sands are, whatever. Okay? <laughs> as tiny as the particle of sand is, and as many as it is in your hand, the sun you see over us, there are more of the sun in our world than there are suns on the seashore. You see, these are some of the things that when you sit down and pause and meditate on them, you begin to respect this God. So when he says, I will do something, it's not your uncle that is making a promise. Many of us, our God is as big as our uncle. Many of us, our God is as big as the federal government. 
But when you begin to, you know, this, I see some of this information. And I wonder why there is still unbelief. The God that will make sand uncountable, a handful of sand, if you really bother to count it, I'm sure you'll get trillions. Now, it says there are more sons. If you have your phone, you can Google what I'm saying now. There are more sons in our world than there are sons on the seashore. And one son is million times bigger than our earth. Yes, sun is a star. I know what I'm saying, sir. The sun is a star. Do you understand what I'm saying? The sun is a star. Now, 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 now. You, you begin to understand when the Bible says your God sits upon the circles of the earth. And the inhabitants are like, that word grasshopper has promoted us. Because the inhabitants, based on this, are not up to grasshoppers. That's how big the God we are talking about is. Can we just celebrate him one more time? Just worship him. Just tell him. So when we, when we sing that song, you are great. Yes, you are. When we say walked upon the sea, we are talking about the man. The God cannot walk upon the sea. He gathers the waters of the earth upon the palms of his hands. How can he walk on his palms? Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, so, so this is the God we talk about. Now, what I want us to look at this evening, you know, more closely, is the word test in this passage. It says, and it came to pass after these things that God did what? Tested Abraham. Tested Abraham. And I went to check what does the word test is mean or represent. And I did that because, you know, the word to us this says what? I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless okay and we are following this faith and it is the faith that abraham is the father of and we have to as much as you know the holy spirit helps us to learn the lessons that abraham has left for us so that we can also walk before him and be what blameless and enter into these promises in the name of jesus christ so test i said what does the word test is and i went to the dictionary and it says it's an examination to gauge somebody's knowledge or ability or experience. So when the Bible says God tested Abraham, God was examining Abraham what? To gauge Abraham's knowledge or ability or what? Experience. Then another thing it means is that it's a trial run. It's a run through to see if something works or how it works. So when they say you test something, you're testing it to see if it works. Okay, And if it works, how does it work? How does it work? So God tested to see how Abraham works. And to see how Abraham will work. Are you following me? Okay. Another one it represents is, or it describes this word. A difficult situation, an event that will provide information. Ordinarily non-available, not available information about somebody. Okay. So God created this situation. To know something about Abraham that was not apparent. Now, if this chapter was not here, we will know Abraham as a father of faith, but we will not know the extent. But we see here now, just like the Bible testified in verse 12, when it says, For now I know that what you fear God. Now, God cannot know. He's omni what? Shent. But this information is there for you and I. God knows all things before they began. Praise the Lord. He knew about, you know, Esau's love for red meat and rescue. 
and he knew that he would sell his birthright. So he said the younger reward will serve the older. He knew all of that. So God knows every. But when God wants to record things for us, that's why we have it there. He says that you fear God. It was an information that we would not have been able to establish unless this test took place. So it's a difficult situation or event that reveals and calls to manifestation something about you that we didn't know. You know, it's just like you think somebody is a very nice person and you know you have a relationship with somebody and you think the person is really nice, really nice until in most cases you do business with the person and you know before the business you people were laughing and chatting and smiling. And then you do business, the, you know, 5 million or 50 million or 500,000 comes. And he's supposed to give you just 15% of it. All of a sudden, he begins to tell you that you know Buhari is uh, there. And you know Bam, uh, uh, this one is there. He begins to tell you, and you're wondering, is he not this person? I, you know, what has happened is that you are beginning to see what, what you didn't see, but had been there all the while. Praise God. Now, this last one that we mentioned for this test is this. He said, is a procedure. They're all saying the same thing, but it will help us capture it. Is a procedure to detect the presence or absence of something. So it's like you test water for nitrates. Okay? So there are chemicals you put to check what the outcome will be. The same way God had to put that procedure to see. So when he's called the father of faith, it wouldn't be that Abraham said, I'm the father of faith. A test confirmed that word. He truly believes God. Now, the reason we look at this is this. God said to ask you, what if all the things you are going through is a test? What if all the things the world is going through now is just a test? You know how it is? I don't know how many of us did um, common entrance. Is it common entrance? I think it was federal government college entrance interview when I was younger. That's um, many years ago. In those days... They told us that if you go for this interview, okay, after you had done the common entrance and people were shortlisted, there was the federal, you know, um, shortlisting, which may, may be a bit like the post-UTME or whatever they do now. When you're preparing for that test, you are, done, you are used to writing exams, okay? You had actually written and passed. But when we get ready for that particular test, they begin to school us. And all kinds of things they schooled us in. Some of them were so funny, you know. They say, if they ask you your name, what they were trying to say is that they're very witty. If they ask you your name and they say, what's your name? And you say, your name is Ike no Keke. If they say, spell it, what should you spell? <laughs> you, you must have heard the story. Now, now, what they were trying to say is that everything there was is a test. When they say stand up, there's a way you have to stand up. When they say wait, you know, they prepared you. So as little children, probably 10 years, 9 years, 11 years then, if you go to that environment, you are just looking around. Where is the test coming from? Okay? And that was the mentality, okay, that we went for those tests with. Now, the same way the Spirit of God is saying to you and I in this season, that is the mentality every Christian must practice his Christianity with. Is a test. Is a test. Everything. Everything is part of the test. What somebody says to you, what somebody didn't say to you, what somebody does to you, what somebody didn't do to you, what, you know, it's a test. And what does the test want to do? To establish the presence of something or the absence of something. You see, the word of God is so sweet and so complete. Our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 18 told us the parable where it says, Men ought always to pray and not to 
fame. And he told us the story of an unjust judge and a woman, you know, who went to this unjust judge pleading that justice be given. And then our Lord Jesus interestingly says, says something towards the end. He says, shall your heavenly father not do what? Bear or answer those of us, you know, his children who call to him what? Day and night. And he says, even though he does what? He tarries. Surely he will answer what? And he will answer speedily. Now, do you see what he said? He says, but when the son of man returns, shall he do what? Shall he find faith? Now, can I put it to you, my sister? Can I put it to you, my brother? That the reason for some of those delays is just testing you to be sure whether there is really faith or just some surface excitement about this thing we are doing. Why would the heavenly father who is omnipotent not answer you at the first call? He loves you and he has the capacity. But because it's a, it's a, the son of man wants to see faith. He wants to see faith. He wants to see faith. So I'm going through this not because, I mean, you, you must establish that as a child of God. You, you must establish the omnipotent, the almightiness of God. If there is Christianity 100001, that is it. God is almighty. In the beginning, God created what? Heavens and the earth. In the beginning, before that beginning, God created Satan. Before that beginning, God created everything that there is. The Bible says he is the father of all spirits. Every spirit that is existing proceeds from him. And the day he says, time up. Look at the encounter, the evil spirits, you know, or rather the testimony of the evil spirits when they saw the son of God. Did they say to him, ah, get away? No. They said, we know who you are. It's men that they are trying to preach who Jesus is to. The evil spirits know him. They've known him from eternity past. They know he's God. So they say, we know who you are. Please, I thought you promised to allow us to work on this earth with these people. Why do you want to send us away before our time? In all of that, they finally, with humility, submitted their petition. Please, if you're going to cast us away, cast them away, sorry. He says, send to what? You can begin to see the truth as your praise. Now, I forbid that anyone listening to me will be afraid of devils as a child of God. Are you getting it? The Christ is in you. You're a child of God. The word that proceeds from your mouth carries authority. At the mention of the name of Jesus, every new word bows. Jesus is in you. You're not just mentioning his name. You carry him. You carry him. So whether awake or asleep, whether you're joking or not, that's why we've said it here and I keep saying it and I will keep saying it. Don't joke with the name Jesus. I've realized that when I'm speaking with somebody and the person, you know, unknowingly mentions that name. I'm waiting to see why did you mention the name? Are you mentioning the name that you're shocked or you're mentioning the name that they're excited? That's not what they need. Imagine if you had a friend who was in the military, a senior officer who had a service person and you're gisting with him. You tell him one night, he just, why? She said, do you know, I bought a new car. He just shook. Why? She said, do you know, when I was coming, one stupid boy just brushed my car. Why? What will you do with him? You will run away and call the psychiatrist. But you are carrying something more powerful than a pistol. How can you be mentioning Jesus anyhow? Oh, oh Jesus. No, now, no, no. If you're going to call that name, make sure that there are some demons to kick out. Make sure that you want some power to operate. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So he said, what if all these are tests? Now, 
because it's a test, then we must expect that Abraham must have been schooled. There must have been investment. How many teachers are here? You're a teacher. You don't just test your children. You, don't, you, don't, you, you teach them and you do what? You test them. There's a process. You're testing after you have done something. So, so we look at the life of Abraham and we saw Genesis 12 where the promise was made. So God makes a promise to you and he will test you based on those promises. He says, I will bless you. The verse 3 of that Genesis 12 says, the last part says, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, when this is said, it is believed, it begins to change your behavior. Because a few of us have worked in organizations where the employers have what they call street sense, street smartness. And that street smartness is not from God, it's from the enemy. You see, they never pay people at the end of the month. They always pay people two months late. So in a year of 12 months, you get probably about eight months or nine months salary. And when they do that, people can resign. Because if you resign, you lose your money. If you keep working, he's holding your money. If you misbehave, you're further in trouble because those who are behaving haven't been paid. But unfortunately, those things work. The people who pay well, they get the least productivity because people take them for granted. Because we're in the world and people are not, you know, they're not sensitive to spiritual things. Anyway, but the promises of God are given to us to help our conduct, to change our nature. If you truly believe the promises of God, do you know you will change? I'm telling you. Second Peter 1 tells us, according as his divine power has given to us what? All that pertains to life and godliness, giving us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through this we might be what? Partakers of the divine nature. The promise is supposed to change your nature. If a young man comes in the midst of five young girls and says to one of the girls, I will marry you. Okay? Immediately, do you know the behavior of that young lady will change from her friends? Because a burden is now placed on her. She now knows attention is on her. Expectation is on her. The same thing for the Christian. There are promises that are upon you that should make you to be different. You can't be like the world. You can't. It's not possible. God has made a proposal to you. Praise God. So from Genesis 12, we see the promises come to Abraham and we see his wavering because, I mean, in this journey, okay, God understands who we are. He says he knows us. He knows we are flesh. Okay, so he knows that we're going to falter here and there. In that same Genesis 12, Abraham lied. He told Sarah, I know these Egyptians, they like beautiful women. And Sarah, Emiakin, I think you're beautiful. Eh? And I know that if that Pharaoh sees you, he will want to kill me and take you as wife. Now, this is somebody they said in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So at that point, the promise escaped his mind. Long and short, God in his mercy delivered him by himself. Praise God. God will deliver any one of us that has unwittingly fallen into temptation in the name of Jesus. In chapter 13, the lesson continues. Abraham begins to prosper. Lot begins to prosper. Lot was not to be with him on the journey. And every little disobedience we disobey God will create frictions for us. Do you know that? Our dad wrote a book, or he taught a sermon, Dr. Connors. He calls it the path of minimum suffering. You know, you know, many believers think that the proof that God is at work in your life is that you have accident, you don't die. 
they shoot you and then you survive. Um, uh, you know, just, you, you, you have troubles and come out. There are troubles that are written in heaven that you should go through. But many of us, we go to the supermarket and buy troubles. We order it online. Do you understand? We invite it. We call for it. How do we do it? Sometimes the way we speak. Praise the Lord. One day, I can't remember how it happened. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but... The details, but the, the closest to an accident I could have had was a time where I said to myself, I am a very good driver. Praise the Lord. You see, when you do that, what have you done? You have sent an announcement to the atmosphere. Driving test mode activated. Test this word. Very good driver. Simple. Many of us are in troubles because of the words we have boasted with. Ah, me. No, never. Ah, hey. They enlist you. They say, okay, please. Satan, you've been idle for some time. Look at that one. That's the way it works. But there are troubles we must carry. Anyway, so Abraham took Lot with him. And the Bible says, all of a sudden, they began to have herdsmen problem. And the ground could no longer take you know, the prosperity of Abraham and the prosperity of Lord together. They had to make, you know, a separation. But in that place, we see that Abraham manifested understanding of the promise. He said to the younger brother, the younger nephew, and said to him, choose. The younger never chooses anything, at, you know. But he said to him, choose. Why? Because he, was, he remembered the promise. Praise the Lord. He remembered the promise. You see, anywhere you see strife, somebody is not seen well. Praise the Lord. Somebody is not saying, if you remember the promise, you know you don't need to strive. Abraham said, choose. If it's left, I will go right. If it's right, I will go left. And the Bible says, Lord looked and saw the plush land. You know, the beautiful land, and he chose. Now we know that where he chose was Sodom and Gomorrah. Thank God Abraham didn't choose first. He would have been in trouble. Anyway, so he chose and went on. And the next verse, sorry, the next chapter. I'm doing chapter by chapter because of time. The next chapter tells us that in this land where Lord chose, what happened? They came and kidnapped him, himself, his family, everything that he had. And we see another test for Abraham. When news came to Abraham, I'm giving us the background to Abraham's test. When news came to Abraham, uh, you know, so that we learn everything we can learn. Abraham then say, like many of us would have done, good for, good for Lord. Good for Lord. Praise God. You see, let me tell you the truth. God can teach every of his children their own lessons. He doesn't need your help. Praise the Lord. But many times we want to be teachers, assistants to God. When the news came, instead of saying, Lord, that's good for you. Oji Koko has put you in trouble. What? Oji Kokoro. Okay, big eye, whatever. Has put you in trouble. No, what did Abraham do? He got his servants you know, went, he had never fought a battle. That's what promised, when you know God, he said, I'm taking this, so we begin to see the classes Abraham had passed through. This man had never fought, but when it involved his brother, I want to challenge us, you're watching me, you're listening to me. Ask yourself, since I became a Christian, what have I done for a brother? What have I done for a sister? Can I say I stand on the side of Abraham on this? Have I adjusted? Have I inconvenienced myself? 
Abraham was not at risk. He was secure. They just brought information. But we see him risk his life, risk his resources, and go to that war. And because God will back up everything that is done in faith, God backed him up and gave him victory. He came back from that battle richer than he was. Okay? Now we go to the next chapter. Okay, the same chapter to, towards the end. We share an interesting encounter there that Abraham had with Melchizedek. When he met Melchizedek, he bowed down and the Bible said he gave him what? A tithe of all. This is where the foundation for tithing is. Even though it's not specifically referred to in the New Testament, if you have a relationship with God and God is the one that is prospering you, you will worship him with your increase. As simple as that. You may not call it a tithe. You may even, some people give more, some people, you know, whatever it is. But we see here, nobody had taught Abraham. If you go further down in Genesis, you also see uh, uh, Jacob saying to God, I will give you a tenth. Nobody taught them. It's just that common human reasoning. If you're the reason I made this money. If I understand, many years ago when we were living in Lagos, we go to, is it mile two or somewhere, to buy fruits in baskets. And one day I went to buy, after buying oranges and the fruits we bought, I paid the person that was selling. And they said to me, I have to pay one man sitting down somewhere. I said, for what? What did I buy from the person? They said, I have to pay for the ground. I said, I didn't buy the ground. Praise God. I didn't buy the ground. I won't pay. But I'm sure you know for me to go with the oranges, I needed to pay. I ended up paying. Okay, they said I have to pay for ground. You know, so the same way, when God prospers you, and you know you're living on his earth, then you'll also do what? Worship him. Okay, so Abraham did that and paid that. To show us now where the disconnect is with our modern understanding of finances, that what Abraham did was of faith, not of greed. That's where the problem is. You don't threaten people to pay tithe. If they don't love God, let them not pay tithe. If you're watching me now, if you don't love God, don't give God any money. You know why? The promise, or rather, the reason Abraham gave was not to get more. If Abraham had a mind, when you go home, or if you're at home, Genesis 14, read it. After Abraham finished, the kings of the Sodom came and said to Abraham, Give us our family. Take everything. That's prosperity. And Abraham could have immediately said, This is automatic reward for my tithing. What did Abraham say? Abraham said, I don't want anything, even a standard strap. That's where we miss the teaching on prosperity in church. We are teaching greed. Abraham was not greedy. He was a worshiper. When he gave the offering that he gave to Melchizedek, he wasn't giving it, looking at multiplied, coming back to him. He was giving him that, I know you're the reason I came back alive. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? That is the foundation. If we taught it this way, we wouldn't have freeze telling us and telling people what to do. It's about if the relationship is not there, keep the money. It's not about multiplication. It's not about addition. It's not about any of those things. It's just acknowledgement that you are my source. Okay? So that's what he did. And immediately after they said, this is more money. Profit from your tithe. He said, keep it. And what did he say? He says, I have lifted up my eye to the Lord God Most High. I will not accept anything. Why? He says, because I'm looking that I won't just prosper. My prosperity will have a testimony. I declare over you, watching, I declare over you here, that your prosperity will have a testimony. In the name of Jesus Christ. You know, I marvel at the level of, of ignorance 
that the world is getting into. And unfortunately, because most Christians are not schooled in the truth, they don't know how to respond. Recently, you may have seen on the news that um, Elon Musk became richer than um, Bezos or Bekos or whatever his name, the Amazon guy. So he's now the richest man. And you know what people begin to say? Uh, Elon Musk doesn't pay tight. Elon Musk doesn't fast and pray. But he's now the richest man. And you see that the problem is because we have taught them that Christianity is about being the richest man. Who is in competition with Elon Musk? The man is actually an atheist. Who is competing with him? Who is measuring with him? Who told you that I'm a Christian so I will become rich? If somebody owned this whole world, he wouldn't own up to half the sun. Somebody owns sons, stars, that are more than the sand on the seashore, and I have an inheritance in him. That person says, he's my shield, my exceedingly great He said, I am his. He said, all things are his, and I become, I become his. And you want me to struggle for some percentage of earth? Christians are not struggling for a percentage of earth. The Bible says, Paul speaking to us, says, if only in this world you have hope in Christ's world, you have all men world, the most miserable, the most pitiable. That's what they should go and learn. We're not here to compete to be the richest. We're here to hold on to Christ and inherit him and hold on to him, knowing that this earth will pass away, the heavens will pass away. The Bible says, if you know these things, what manner of persons ought you to be? It's people who don't know it that are killed themselves but you don't blame them if every testimony would testify is i'm rich if we're getting into marriage and we can't say for better for worse for better for better who where did you learn that whereas our lord jesus christ says in this world except your marriage is not here maybe spirit husband and spirit wife but as long as it's physical wife and physical he says you will have what but be of good cheer he said, count it all joy when you forward into diverse trials and temptation. That's what this word tells us. Who is now telling you that you won't have challenges? Which Bible is he preaching from? Praise the Lord. Okay, we're talking Abraham. Okay, so the, his tithing wasn't out of greed. It wasn't out of monetary. He was just a worshiper of God. Okay, so that one when he came to chapter 15 now. 15 brings an interesting dimension. 15 verse 1, I'll read that one. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But in this particular one, Abraham asked a question. He says, but Abraham said, Lord God, I hear you. <laughs> Praise God. I hear your grammar. But what? What will you give me? Seeing what? I go childless. This is my concern. You know? And God in his message said to him, you see, verse 4 says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to you. This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Let, let me give us another information in case for somebody that is watching. You know, in the universities these days, all these professors and, you know, uh, doctors are trying to confuse young people. At the time this word was written, the most intelligent scientists of the time were still estimating that there were about 1,000 and something stars in the world. Do you get what I'm saying? At the time, the word of God, this particular account, the earliest possible, I mean, we are talking of BC, you know, after Christ, but this was BC, I'm sure you know that. But we're thinking 
that the stars were about a thousand something. And then another one said that he, he thinks about 1,800 or so. But God, who created the stars, knew that up till now, the stars will remain uncountable. So this word to Abraham is still true. With all the technology in the world, the world still cannot count the stars. If you are doubting the word of God, you have no reason for that. You actually need faith, greater faith to doubt the word of God. Because it's so powerful. Praise God. He says to him, so shall what? If you're able to count them, he says, so shall your descendants be. And verse 6 says, Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for what? Righteousness. So we see here, you know, let, let me try and jump quickly. That Abraham believed that he was going to get an heir from God. Let's, you know, fast forward because of time. So when the test came, the test was testing what he did, what believed. What he believed. What did he believe? He believed that his descendants will be what? As numerous as the stars of the heavens. So in Genesis 22, when the Bible says, now it came to pass that God tested Abraham. God came to say, let's see whether you believe, really believe what you say you believe. Now, child of God, I want to ask you, is there any area of your life that you're being tested beyond what you had already boasted you believed in? Is there any new area? Praise God. Is there anybody here that is facing a challenge that is out of the scope of his previous boasts? My God is awesome. He can move mountains. Keep me in the, hide me from the. You can call the rain the pandemic. Can't he hide you under the pandemic? But you sing the songs. How come when pandemic comes now, you're hiding under, on top of the rain? Keep me in the valley. The moments of the valley. He will keep me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? I shall not want. He will lead me. Even though I walk, walk through the valley. So he, assuming I've become sick, he will also do what? Lead me through. Why? Because my God is awesome. It's the thing that Abraham believed. That they said, okay, let's test him. I hope you know that none of us, you know, could ever come close to this dimension of test. His test is, I mean, is at another level. But it begins to reveal to us what is expected of you and I. God said to him, the son I want for sacrifice is who? Isaac. The one you love. He says, go and kill him. So, right before Abraham, this is the promise. And then God says, go and destroy the promise. But Abraham believed that Beyond the promise, every word of God will come to pass. What is going to happen? Who will shift? Praise the Lord. Our time is going. Let me try and conclude here. Who is going to shift? Who is going to shift? Come with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Where they gave us the, is it marking scheme or the secret? I'm going to show you two things there. That if you, by the spirit of God, would catch it, you will take your Christian life to another dimension. Hebrews 11, we find the first one where the Bible says, Abraham, okay? Praise the Lord. Hebrews 11, okay, let's read from 17. Let's read together, everybody. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. 
verse 19. Let's read that one, everybody now. Concluding that God was able to raise him up. Wait, 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 wait. Don't be too quick. That God was able to do what? Raise him up. Stop. Even, even what? From the dead. Now, the word conclude means that I finish the whole process. I go to the end. Let me ask you, what is at the conclusion of your meditations about God? Praise the Lord. He said, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he will receive the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom he was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called. He said he concluded. It hadn't happened. He didn't know what was going to happen. He just left the whole process and went to the conclusion and said, my God is what? Able. Child of God, your conclusion to the ability of God will determine how far you can go. You see, I'm not talking about the process. I'm not talking about where you are. It's just the conclusion. I think we've said it here. Many years ago, mom, she was counseling a young lady, you know, a friend who, was, who hadn't had a child after a few years of marriage. And he said, do you see yourself years from now not carrying your own child? You must, if you read this Bible, you must have a conclusion. And that conclusion, Abraham didn't say, I will find a way. No, he said, concluding that God was what? Able. That God was what? Able. I declare to you, my sister, I declare to you, my brother, this God is what? He's able. He's able. Even, even, <laughs> even from the dead. The Bible, we're reading from Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 tells us of those who, they didn't even see the promise here. But they're still what? People of faith. You know why? Because God will raise them and fulfill the promise. We are all aware of the mathematics of Elisha and Elijah. Double portion. He performed one less, one less miracle of what Elijah performed that would have made it double. One less. I think 13. And after he had died, because the word of God will never go unfulfilled, his dead bones raised a man from the dead so that that double did not end up a fraction concluding that God was able child of God I know and I want you to know that God is what? able concluding not every the problem we have is that every step we say God prove yourself that's not what Abraham did he concluded there are two different things conclusion and Per second, prove it. That's where many of us are. Per second. God, if you have healed me, let me not sneeze. And then just the moment you finish sneeze, yes, yeah. you say, God hasn't healed me. Then you say, oh, look at you. You're not serious. God, if you have done this, then let this one happen. No, 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 no. That's not from faith. Faith concludes. You see, faith takes you, it takes reason and goes beyond reason. Okay? Now, how does a man kill a boy and then go back with him? We can't understand it. But Abraham did what? Concluded that God was able. Quickly, before I leave you, I'm going to give you another conclusion. Because the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is what? So now let's look at verse 11 of the same Hebrews 
11. This one is talking about Abraham's wife. It says, by faith, what? Sarah herself also received strength to conceive. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she did what? The same word. Judge him. You know what judgment? Why are you judging me? Means Why are you not allowing me to manifest? Why are you putting a conclusion to me? She judged God what? Faithful. Those two. You judge God faithful and able. You'll be a victor every day. That's why you read the Bible. We are reading the Bible so that your conclusion of God will be he's faithful and he's able. That he's faithful and able to do what he has said he would do. Once you get to that point, child of God, you can be like, is it, um, he say he laughs in the face of danger. What's that boy's name? Simba. You can laugh in the face of danger. They can tell you, they can, you laugh. Why? Because your God is what? Faithful and able. Let's rise on our faith. He's faithful and he's able. Throughout this year, 2021, he's the almighty God and he's what? He's faithful and he's able. It's a conclusion. I'm not asking him to confirm. I don't want to see. I have believed already and I know that I'll see. I'm not asking God, show me. No, no, no. All I now want to see from now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. All I want to see from now to then is him. It's not a second. I've moved my eyes. I've settled everything concerning the circumstance. You know, human beings, God will help us. Sometimes the devil will come to speak to you and come to tell you, you're fooling yourself. You're wasting your time. All this God thing. Tell him, I've left that level. I'm looking at God. I'm beholding his face. He has said to me, seek my face. And I've said, his face I will seek. My delight is for him now. As the deer pants after the world, so my soul. I'm not panting after solution to my problem. I've gone beyond my problem. I've concluded that God is able to solve my problem. I've concluded that God is faithful to solve my problem. So I occupy myself with seeing his face. The face of the Lord I've set before me, the psalmist said. And because he's at my right right hand, I shall never be moved. That is what the Christian occupies himself. I know he will watch over his word to bring it to pass. My business is what? To see him. The songwriter says to keep your lovely face ever before my eyes. Another one says open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Another one says, I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh Lord, forgive me. Now I'm not looking at my circle. Abraham saw the knife. The knife kills this boy. He can't come back again. But when he sees the God, when he sees the Almighty, when he sees the invisible, when he sees the inscrutable, when he sees the Oyigi Yigi, when he sees the Amamama Siamasi, when he sees the one who is all beyond description, he knows that this one can do everything. He can bring all the molecules, he can bring the blood out from the fire and put liquid back into it. He can cause the dry bones to live again. He can make the one who was a borrowing to become a lender of nations. He can make the body that is shriveled out become a robust. God is mighty. He concluded, am I talking to a bunch of concluders? A bunch of judges? Men and women who conclude who have concluded their matters before the beginning, who have judged at what I am going through after the job said, after he has tested me, I'm going to come forth, not as hot iron, 
I'm going to comfort as gold. It is a test, sir. It is a test, my brother. It is a test. And surely, as the Lord reigns, you are coming out. We are coming out. In the name of Jesus, the church of Jesus is coming out. From this pandemic, the true children of God will shine. We will arise and we will shine. From the economic situation, we will arise. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost. We carry an anointing of the Holy One. He is in us. He is with us. He is for us. It is a test. It is a test. It is a test. And I've concluded. He's able. He's mighty. What have you concluded? Let me give you time. Open up your mouth. Tell him what you've concluded. He's a healer. You may still feel the pain. But there is a balm in Gilead. That balm is still healing. With the stripes of Jesus. I will not. That's not what the Bible says. You were healed. He is faithful. He's dependable. He says on the mountain of the Lord. It shall be said. It shall be provided. It means the need has been provided for. He is God. I am his. He's my husband. I am his bride. He's my father. I'm his child. He's my maker. I'm his creation. He's able. He is able. I judge him faithful. I call him able. I call him mighty. I call him dependable. I call him reliable. I call him all. He is my God. We worship you, Lord. 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 I don't know which song. Should we say, I call you faithful? Lord, you are faithful. I call you able. I call you mighty. I call you my husband. I call you my way maker. I call you my redeemer. I call you everything. I call you. I judge you. Masole de Gerebanda. Listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.